Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Happy Tuesday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. We are here at the Taco Shed in Warner Robins, Georgia. We are doing the show from here today. I always love doing the show on the road, and we're here with the one and only Derek Bass, Grand Taco Master. Tacos. How you doing? Hey, great. How are you? Hadn't seen you in a minute. I know it's been a while. We uh, are always glad to be in Warner Robins, always glad to be here at the Taco Shed, where the taco of the month is what? The Cajun Crawfish Taco. That was, the, that was what was the last time we were here. That's probably been six months since you've been oh, here. No, no it hasn't. I don't know. Are you kind of liking that Cajun Crawfish oh, thing? I do. I like it a lot. Well, don't get all crazy on me now. I mean, I'm just, okay. Do you like crawfish? No. I knew you wouldn't. You're, no, because it takes an hour and a half to get a little small piece of meat out. We we already did that for you. You don't have to do that. Okay. You just eat the taco. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I like my taco. The shipwreck. Russ likes some crawfish. You I, had it, hadn't you? I do. Yeah, it's really good. Especially you get a little lemon juice on there. Or maybe lime. You get a lime. Yes, yeah. sir. Yep. We have uh, our guacamole, which I know you're not a guacamole No, not a guacamole. Uh, his son is. Lettuce, you can get out the guac. Lettuce, black bean and corn, guacamole. The crawfish is cooked in a garlic butter sauce, and then uh, queso fresco and pico de gallo. Or as I say, pico de gallo, Joey Gallo. <laughs> Joey Gallo. Well, if you've never been to the taco shed, we invite you here. They are gourmet tacos. They are outstanding. You can go online, thetacoshed.com, to look at the menu and the uh, tremendous care that Derek and his staff put into getting tacos ready for you. They are soft-shell tacos that have great combinations. He has really perfected the combinations and has done a great job of putting them together. My favorite taco is the fried scrimp taco, cilantro, coleslaw, pickled red onions, queso fresco, and chipotle aioli. aioli. We were doing that. There's, there's a commercial doing that now. That I heard. Oh, they they stole it from. Then they they did. They stole it. We, really? They were. I swear. I heard it, and I'm like, man, they're kind of stealing our concept there. But um, Russ has tried every taco, all 23. Yes, every and, single and, one. And of most of correct. the tacos of the month, too. And, and most of the tacos of the. I don't think I've unless we just weren't here and I missed one. I think I've had all the tacos of the month. I know. There and including you know, the Frommer. You know, uh, January was our seventh year. Really? Yep. Is that right? Flies. How long? Have, how long have we been? Oh, at least five years. Right. I would think at least at least five years. I would think we've been coming here, but it's a great spot. It's great uh, tacos. He has also nachos as well, which are uh, unbelievable: smoked brisket tacos, shrimp fajita, steak, chicken fajita tacos. He has salads, which I'm going to have later on, which is outstanding. I like the uh, chicken fajita salad, which is great. Look at these prices, too, man. These pretty good prices. And uh, quesadillas, breakfast burritos, of course. He's open Tuesday through Saturday, and we love this place. If we were both, Russ and I, live closer, we'd be here all the time probably. <laughs> uh, probably a good thing we're not, but we enjoy it so much, and we invite you to come here. Again, go to thetacoshed.com to look at the menu. If you've never been, if you have been, come on back. We invite you to come. And he's open every day at 5 o'clock uh, for dinner. And uh, ten, uh, 
6.30 to, well, we'll let him tell you the hours. No, I can't remember the hours. I'll have to, I'll have to get the, uh, the uh, hours from the online because I can't remember. I don't, want to, I don't want him to tell him incorrectly. But he's only open on Tuesday through Saturday. I know that. And he'll tell the hours when he's coming, which is right now. He had to go see someone. But anyway, he's got breakfast as well, and he's got – he uh, has lunch and dinner. The hours are, Mr. Bass? Tuesday through Friday. Tuesday – say it Tuesday one Tuesday through Friday. Yes, sir. 6 a.m. until 1.30, and then okay. we take a break and reopen at 5 p.m. until 8 p.m. All right. And then Saturdays, we are open from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. all day long. All the way through. Closed Sundays and Mondays. Pretty cool. We have just been told that the first month the Taco Shed was a sponsor was May of 2017. Wow. How about that? Wow. 23. That's almost six years. Look at that. So that's pretty cool. One of our great Braves sponsors for Atlanta Braves baseball, right? It's almost time. Tomahawking. First full squad workout today. How about that? First game coming up on Saturday. Braves and Red Sox from – is that Little Fenway? I think they're on the road, aren't they? I think so. I think they're on the road at Little Fenway, wherever that is, Fort Myers, Fort something. We've got a whole new squad, it seems like. It feels like. No, i got a lot of – some new players. Not all, but some. But anyway, we're um, – I forgot to say, we're on – we're off of 247. We're on 247. We're on we're, 247. We're, 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 well, no, we're, we're not off. We're close. We're, we're close to Highway 247, right close to the road. We're not on it. That would be in the middle of traffic. That would be a distraction. We're we're located on Highway 247 <laughs> in the Warner Robins next to Museum of Aviation. Well, look at this about on your website. There's an interview with the owner, Derek Bass. Derek, let's start with your story. How did you get started, and how has the journey been so far? Uh, Who the heck wrote this? Here we go. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. I promise you that. Oh, that good old website development. You so love you can have all of Derek's story, the Derek Bass story. There's on a here. video, I think, on there somewhere. Oh, my gosh, isn't it? That's got to be know. boring. Don't find that. That's. Don't. <laughs> I should have said anything. What was I thinking? It's a cool picture of the taco shed back in 1950. Man, you're old. You've been serving tacos for that long? I wasn't. Uh, Holy oh, crap. Wait. I'm your age. You're older than I am. Uh, am I now? No, that's right. I'm older than you. You are I'm older a March now. boy. You're a what? November. November, that's right. No, you I got, got about you got me. eight months on you. Mm-hmm. Russ is catching up. He is. He ain't too far behind. No. Uh, not really. It's like the older you get, the the less the the gap in age difference really makes. You know, <laughs> I might as well be there. M- my bones pop when I get out You're of bed. You're not going too. to sleep at one o'clock a.m. anymore. You're going to sleep about N- no nine thirty ten. I, I mean, if I wanted to go to bed at one a.m., I don't think I could do it. <laughs> that I want to tell you, young people listening to the show. I used to be a night owl. I mean, a bad night owl to the point where if you called me before nine o'clock, there was a chance you would be cussed out. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, right. probably never. Even when we started this show, I was still in that mode. In two thousand, I because I, I was only thirty-seven then, right? Just turned thirty-seven when we started the show. I was a night out. I mean, I because of of watching the Braves as a kid on the West Coast, and then working at news operations. 
we wouldn't get off until 11.30. So you, know, you get home at 11 30 12 o'clock you're not going to go to bed at 1202 ain't gonna happen no nope. so i was always a night owl and would not have any trouble especially when i watched david letterman or going even further back johnny carson i mean that was just part of the evening was i, I watched the late night show and it, probably that's when it changed when david letterman went off and this moron who's on for him now which nobody likes what's his name stephen colbert I, I, I just I started going to bed earlier, and now I mean last night it was nine thirty. Nine thirty. Nine thirty. Wow. And I mean, wow. yeah. What time are you getting up? That's the question. I get up usually about seven thirty. It's like ten hours of sleep. I know. I can't do math real good, but no. Ten. You're getting ten hours of not sleep. Not every day. Not okay. every night. Yeah, but it's good to get one of those in a week if you can. Yeah, it's it a is. Little helpful. Little yeah, when you when and you know what the funny thing is, a couple of years ago, right before I turned fifty, my buddies who are all older than I am, except for Russ and you, or two of the exceptions, <laughs> but a lot of my buddies are are older than I am. They were all telling me, "Oh God, I, if I don't get nine hours sleep," and I'm like, "How the heck do you get nine, nine hours, hours sleep? sleep?" Now I know, I go to bed earlier, <laughs> and they go to bed earlier, I, and so anyway. Yeah, that's getting older for you. You're not going to be able to watch the Braves game and go to bed at 930. I'm telling you, last year I was struggling. Was it last year or the year before where there was, was a lot of late games? Yeah, it was It was a couple of years ago because they they moved the start time back to 720, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it used and, to be 705. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, 15 minutes can make a difference, man. Yeah. There's a difference <laughs> but, between 10 o'clock and 10.30. But they were like later – they were longer games. And I'm, God, yeah. I'm having trouble here. <laughs> staying awake and just so young people if you feel like you can just stay up all night now enjoy it while yeah you can. get it in while you can because i'll have these plans about i'm going to do something when i go home maybe a plan to go work out <laughs> <laughs> funny uh maybe a plan to do something i need to do for my house all of a sudden those kind of plans are weekend projects because <laughs> i'm going to bed or either i'm just going to lounge and lay there and watch everybody loves raymond or something like that so anyway man just thinking when it's going to be 10 or 15 years from now we're still doing this <laughs> live from the sns <laughs> all right that's a wrap time to go home and go to bed thanks for joining us for the one hour edition of the bill shank show we'll be replaying this four times to make it to the braves game <laughs> But anyway, we invite people to come to Taco Sheds. Come say hey to Derek and get you some good tacos and remind him that the Georgia Bulldogs are the two-time defending national champion football program. Welcome to the club, sir. Welcome to the club. It's good to be the king. You're the second team to win back-to-back. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the more it's funny. The more people I talk to, the more people are convinced that, number one, Georgia has the kind of team that can do this. And number two, they all agree with me that if you're going to do this, you have to have a coach who is out of your mind compelled and driven to do something that's not been done since the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the 1930s, and that is win three in a row. And I think Saban and Kirby are in a different level as far as that mindset. Most people, I think, would not be driven to think about that all the time because they would not have the – players that would give them the opportunity 
to be in that position. You know what I'm saying? Most teams win a championship, and then there is a natural fallback to a certain extent, not with Alabama and not with Georgia. And therefore, I, I think so many people just agree with me that, number one, they've got the type – they've got the schedule – first and foremost, because the schedule's easy after Oklahoma came off. Although, you know what, I don't even know how much that makes a difference with Oklahoma being the way they are right now, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like this is Baker Mayfield's Oklahoma Sooners or what we saw in the Rose Bowl six years ago. But it's still a better team than what they're going to play. They've got the schedule. They've got the ability to allow their new quarterback, Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, or Brock Vandegrift, grow into the position because of the schedule not being very difficult. And if they do get by Tennessee and Knoxville, they have a pretty decent path to go to Atlanta to play LSU or Texas A&M or Alabama or whomever. How did we get third in that list? Anyway. Just to piss you off. Okay, thanks. Um, for the SEC championship game. So, you know, it's been interesting to kind of and, – and, and not that Georgia fans are necessarily getting greedy, although you do. <laughs> you do get greedy, but it's the confidence in what's up there. You know, it's like, well, why would you say something is impossible with Kirby Smart in position? And uh, you know what? It's just, uh, you know, as we said, it's just copying what Nick Saban did. Past well, tense. And it's great for talk radio this year in particular mm-hmm. because either A, they do it, which is good for talk radio, or B, they don't, and it's Mike Bobo's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think the chances are it'll be an all-SEC national championship? It's going to be kind of tough to make Those that. are hard to predict. It's kind of yeah. tough to make yeah. that happen, right? But Well, who the heck could have ever said anything about TCU six months ago? Because you got – yeah, you got to get – I mean, two undefeated teams in the SEC title game give you the best shot. That's hard to do. So, a one-loss team beating an undefeated team can do it too. But somebody's got to get there undefeated. So, I think that would more likely be Georgia than somebody from the West. So. You know, I mean, when you asked that question, part of me wanted to say USC because they've got Kayla Williams coming back as the reigning Heisman Trophy. But, you know, when you don't have a defense, I don't think you can be in that conversation. No. Yeah, I That's know, the I problem. I don't – I mean, they're not – I mean, USC's good, you know, uh, but as far as being in the – how can you trust a team that can't stop anybody? Mm-hmm. I mean, that team can get beat any, any Saturday by anybody. It just you, two or three interceptions, and you're done. That's not a top-five team. No. It can't be. You've got to stop people. I know we, we detest having those conversations about the conferences and what, this conference can't do this or that. You know, when, when Georgia played Michigan last year and then played Ohio State both in the semifinal games, I couldn't help but to think of back in 1998 when Georgia played Wisconsin and going into that game in, in uh, Tampa, the Outback Bowl, you 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 saw SEC versus Big Ten even then, and that was uh, Jim Donnan led Georgia team with Mike Bobo as the quarterback, by the way, and but you saw the big lumbering, big offensive lineman that didn't have the athleticism that we see linemen have now, and you kind of saw that same difference between the conferences and I think there was just another gear that we saw Georgia have for example and we've seen that plenty of times with Alabama as well when they play teams from other conferences 
there, there's just been another gear. Now, Clemson was the exception of they had for two years, obviously, the, the horses, for lack of a better term, to beat Alabama, and they had the athlete, athletes. They had the athleticism. They had the athletes. They had the speed. They had the defense that could still – I mean, they had the defense this past year, right? I mean, they, they didn't have the offense like they usually do, but they still had Brian Breesey and, and Miles Murphy where they had the defense. But, you know, you see – differences in in what an sec team plays and you you know that from a scoring defense standpoint i I mean you just can't allow 30 points a game or 25 points a game you've got to be an elite defense to compete with a georgia and alabama and lsu well i was gonna say actually that's what's happened to alabama is they don't have that defense that's correct correct because they, I mean, Tennessee just had their way with it. We them. couldn't win in a flag football game last year. Well, uh, think about this: last year, fourth, or I'm sorry, fifth in the country in scoring defense. First was Illinois. Second was Iowa. Fourth was Minnesota. So you had three Big Ten schools, right, who were in the top four in the country in defense. Now, if they played Georgia or Alabama or LSU, would they have kept a team under 20 points? I don't think so. No. Well, that's hard to say, though. I mean, you're talking about 28 different teams. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Can, well, I mean, you think Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota could have I, kept them I, at, a, at what their average was? That's the question. But basically. who? I mean, who? Georgia. There's 14 teams. Like, who? Georgia? Probably not. No. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, Georgia, not Georgia. Al- no, I just said Georgia, Alabama, yeah. LSU is all I said. Well, LSU, I said may- LSU maybe. LSU, I mean, LSU, they, they were good this year, but they lost a lot of football games for a team that played for a conference title. Didn't Iowa lost to Michigan, scored uh, over – 20 or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? And I don't think – I think if you gave Iowa 120 minutes, I don't think they could score 13 points. So. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I, I think I, – I, I think Georgia, Alabama, LSU – I think LSU would still have had their way with the, those teams. I do. I think they would have – Jaden Daniels and, you know. Not not all SEC teams because no, all SEC – I mean, Florida wouldn't have scored – a bunch of points on that team. Random question. Tennessee would have probably, you know. I mean, Tennessee. Yeah, I think you could fit Tennessee in there as well. That's what, who's going to have more wins? You think LSU or Tennessee this year? Well, I think to me LSU because I think Tennessee has got a lot, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday when Ken called up all nervous about Tennessee. We don't know who the Tennessee quarterback is going to be. It's going to be Milton, Joe Milton, or it's going to be the the rookie. The freshman, who's a very good prospect, but but Jalen Hyatt's a big deal. I mean, Georgia lost Jermaine Burton last year in Alabama. It didn't matter. Now they've lost A.D. Mitchell to Texas, and I hate to say that it won't matter, but I, I don't think it's going to matter. Jalen Hyatt leaves Tennessee. They've got the Brew McCoy. They've got the squirrel kid. But, I mean, is it going to matter? And I, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the replacement, we always joked about the replacement value in baseball, right, the term war. What, the replacement value at Alabama has always been pretty strong, right? They lose players in the NFL. It's not, oh, God, we, we're going to not have a secondary this year because three of our four guys got drafted. We're in big trouble. Georgia's the same way now. I mean, you may even have an up that you don't even know about because of the level of talent that your program is able to – uh, tracked. 
I don't know that about Tennessee yet. We know about Josh Heupel's offense. We don't know about his replacement value talent yet, do we? I mean, no. if that quarterback is the real deal, maybe we do. But has he got the horses around him? We don't yeah. know that answer Yeah, yet. we'll have to find out. I, I, I will say this. Tennessee has a much easier schedule than LSU. That's what I was thinking. So, so you're going Tennessee. They'll play – well, they, they both have to go to Alabama. So that kind of cancels out, I think. But Tennessee's non-conference is Virginia, Austin P. Uh, UTSA oh. and who was the UConn? So there, I mean, and yeah. and plus the the East is a little weaker than the West. LSU now LSU's non-conference isn't that much tougher, other than the fact they play Florida State, uh, because their other three non-conference are Grambling, uh, but Army and Georgia State. Where's that Florida State game at? The Florida State game is going to be in – it's a neutral site game, but it's going to be a neutral site game in Florida, uh, Orlando, Camping World Stadium. It's not going to be easy. So, Why is that a neutral site? Well, well they, last they did year's, that last year. Yeah, it's just like instead of playing home and away, they did Superdome Orlando for like big bowl game type stuff. See. Which so. is good. I like those. That's not going to be easy, though. It's not going to be an easy game. Yeah. I mean, well, they lost it last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Georgia doesn't have a non-conference game like that this year. That's for sure. They were they were with Oklahoma, and then they had to cancel it because they're coming to the conference. But, but you know, that, that's – again, I think Georgia fans and football fans in the state of Georgia in general have learned a lot about how Alabama has done what they've done since Nick took over because of things like projecting your team for the upcoming season and knowing that you have the replacement players to not have a downgrade, whereas years before under Mark Rick, just to be honest, when they would lose a Jalen Carter, you're screwed. You're, you were not going to have that same level of talent at the position where you lost a player who's going to the NFL. I mean, Matthew Stafford to Joe Cox. Point. And just a point of example right there. I mean, but now Georgia's risen to the level where their continual excellence in recruiting, like Alabama, is not going to allow that replacement level to be an issue. Well, you knew that it, in his last year that Joe Cox was going to be the quarterback the next year before it even started, whereas now you look at it, we can give you three names, and one of those three is going to be the quarterback. That's right. I think that's the biggest difference to me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's competition. We, I, I had lunch with my Georgia boys today, and we were talking about the fact – remember when I asked Asher a couple weeks ago about is Jamon Dumas-Johnson locked in as a starter? And it was not – as a knock on Jamin Dumas-Johnson, and he he didn't laugh at me, but he, he understood the question, but he said, well, I mean, this guy is calling the defense, but it was as much because there's a player behind him in Jalen Walker who we're like, how's he going to not get on the field? And is he going to knock, knock away a player who started every game last year and was calling the plays on the field? But when you have a Jalen Walker who they all say is just going – bat you know what crazy in practice you're going to ask the question well is he going to unseat a 15 game starter who was calling the plays on defense that never used to happen at the university of georgia no. holy crap so i mean that that's the kind of changes that we we see that again is from the blueprint at alabama that y'all got used to right you were used to those kind of things happening at alabama that that we were like oh my god what that what what is that? that's an nfl team you, Supposedly, we have our best recruiting class ever this year. Mm. Ever. Mm. That's something. That's that, scary. That's huge. Yeah, that's you know? scary. No, it, I don't know if it'll affect this year, but I'm just saying. Year well, I, th- I think it. I think it shows that 
Nick Saban is driven to the point where he's not done and he's going to want to prove it. He's going to win another one. I think he will. Uh, I do too. <laughs> I, I think he, I think he will. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not. I don't know if he's going to win I mean, it this year. But think about that the the best recruiting class ever. Yeah. For Alabama. Yeah. That's really good. Amazing. Yeah. Really good. I'm excited. No, you should be. Uh, but we don't know who your quarterback is going to be. That's unusual. That's something that's been that's un, that's very unusual in the run. I think most years we've known who the quarterback is going to be, haven't we? And this well, year, if we run the rock, it's going to be. Milro, if Ty Ty steps up, I don't know. I, Rose scares me. But you can me. still run the rock without having to have a running quarterback. Right, right. No, he's he can't throw the ball twenty yards. He scares me to death. Mil Mil uh, Milro? That's Milro. Well, that's why I think people are saying it's going to be Simpson because I think it's going to be Simpson. It may be both, right? Maybe they switch it up. Yeah, maybe. Whatever it takes. Yeah, you don't care. Let's get back Long to some football. <laughs> Braves first, though. We'll take a break, come back, talk about that. Rod McKenzie will join us at the end of the, at the, end of the hour. We're at the Taco Shed in Warner Robins. He's open uh, Tuesday through Saturdays. The times? Tuesdays through Friday, 6 a.m. until 1.30, and then 5 p.m. until 8, and then Saturdays from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. Right off of? Highway 247 in Warner Robins near the Museum of Aviation. Come get you a taco. With Russ Brown and Derek Bass, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Bill and Russ and Derek Bass back at the taco shed here in Warner Robins on this Tuesday afternoon. Beautiful early spring day here in late February. And we appreciate you being with us. Braves are at spring training. Continue to see some things about what's going on down in Florida. I listened to a podcast this morning with Alex Anthopoulos on it on the AJC's website. Justin Toscano, who will be on our show tomorrow, as a matter of fact, who interviewed Alex Anthopoulos. Um, Not a whole lot of breaking news in that, but he um, talked about the competitions of, of left field and of course with shortstop as we talked a little bit about yesterday after a caller asked about all right what's the backup plan for Vaughn Grissom he talked about Orlando Arcia they really like Arcia they they really they feel like that after they got him from Milwaukee and remember he was losing his job uh, to the young player there in Milwaukee and and had been the starter at shortstop and the uh, the Brewers went with Willie Adamas and kind of pushed Orlando Arcia out. Atlanta got him for a couple of relief pitchers um, that uh, were just kind of throwaway relief pitchers, for lack of a better term. And um, they like him. He's been a decent backup player. We've seen time at second and short. So if Grissom's not uh, the guy, Arcia could be the guy. And, man, when he was about left field, he was pretty much wide open. I mean, I think he's just ready for may the best man win, whether it's Azuna, Rosario, Eli White. I mean, he named all of them. It's like may the best man win. Let's just have the best guy out there. I love that. I mean, that that's the I, I, we, like we were talking about in the last segment with the quarterback competition at UGA. I mean, that's if you have a position that you know you you're there's uncertainty who the guy's going to be. You want competition, whether it's Arcia. 
and Grissom at short or the, the bundle of guys they got out there for left field. I mean, it doesn't guarantee you anything, but you don't want, you know, a guy that's not going to be able to get the job done out there just because there was nobody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who are the who, – who's in left field? Who are the – Well, we've got Marcelo Zuna. He's not going to – he's not going to – You don't think it's going to be him? D.H.? Well, uh, the the interesting part about this is now that we have the DH, you have Sean Murphy, who they brought from Oakland, who I think they're going to fall in love with defensively because uh, – and they were raving. He was in a drill the other day where he was doing a lot of throws to first base. And, and Alex, again, in that, in that podcast, discussed part of the reason why they got him is because of the changes that baseball is making. They've got bigger bases – they, the runners are going to get better leads at first to try to have more activity on the bases. There's limitations on how many times a pitcher can throw to first base now. So you got to have a catcher worth the flip back there. And, you know, Contreras, while he can hit, was a question mark. Sean Murphy's a beast, and I think they're going to fall in love with him being behind the plate, which means not that Darno's not going to catch, but that Darno may spend some time as the DH and they'll both be in the lineup. So you've got that element of everything, but Azuna also says that his arm's better, that he's had some inflammation in the arm, and because you know he won a Gold Glove in 2019, believe it or not, and then all of a sudden he had the arm, the shoulder issue, and then the inflammation, and I think I saw a tweet, Mark Bowman tweeted that he had the second lowest velocity on throws from the outfield which was not a surprise because he just can't throw. That's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, it was easy to see. And so if that has helped that situation, that hopefully will help him because he can cover okay. It's just the arm was like a jelly arm. Yeah. Just can't throw. No, it's not. That's, you know, if he can contribute with his bat, that's great. You know, we'll see maybe the shoulder inflammation got some arm strength back, but I would think, you know, if you're you're handicapping the thing out in left field, I think most Braves fans would want Rosario to kind of come out ahead in that. But definitely, I I, do, I would hate to see a scenario where Ozuna's the you know everyday left fielder. Now that being said, the other two guys could help cover up some of that. Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. But yeah, that's he. It's it's weird to, to think that he did win that Gold Glove in 2019 because that, like Derek said, that is not the player we've seen in Atlanta mm-hmm. defensively. So we're saying you're saying Azuna, Murphy, and Darno DH. Yeah, is that what you're? And and then you know Rosar. So in, so you've got that dynamic of where one of those three could be the DH, whoever's not catching or whoever's not playing left. You could say that or Rosario. Rosario too. Right. So, you so could, those four. So those four. Okay, you know, one will play left. Game. One will be. Catching and sense. one will be the DH and I'm one will okay be on the that. bench. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And may the best man win. I mean, I don't care. I'm, I, I have no – I mean, it doesn't mean they have to be the DH every night. No, right, they right. switch it up, lefty, righty, And whatever. look, it, it, the, the fourth outfielder is going to be a player who can play defense. All those guys they've got as a, as, a, as a candidate for the fourth outfield job, Kevin Pillar, a kid by the name of Eli White, who they got from Texas, who has speed, Jordan Luplo. And Sam Hillier, they are all, all pretty good defensively. So if, for example, that means that Azuna was starting in left field late in the game, they could put one of those, whoever's the fourth outfielder, as the replacement and still have Rosario on the bench, let's say. And they may not even care about having Rosario out there because he has some brain farts too where you're like, what, what are you doing out there? 
But so I think they would have that covered. I just want the one who hits because if if if, if we get from those four player, players that are going to be battling for those three spots, catcher, DH, and left field, if we get offense from that group, one through nine, that's a pretty good lineup as long as shortstop's not wet in the bed. Yeah. Right? The only problem is all of those are right-handed hitters, right? Rosario's a lefty. Rosario. Besides yeah. Rosario, everybody else is a righty. Correct. That's right-handed. So, I mean, may the best man win, and let's see what happens. Yeah, that's what that, – and that it gives you something to watch in spring training, too, because there's a little bit of an intrigue there. And, you know, and Azuna's and the one for me because if, if the shoulder is healed and he's got everything right, I mean, this guy was an MVP candidate in 2020. And we were – in March – remember, it got into March before they re-signed him. Yeah. And we were all saying, you've got to bring this guy back. You've got to bring this guy back. And so if he can get back to that form, I mean, you've already got Acuna, who's an MVP caliber player, if he's right. Austin Riley, MVP caliber player. I mean, I, I, look, and I'm not saying Marcelo Zuna is an MVP caliber player right now, but that it's in him. We've seen him do that. So, I mean, if he could get back, that's three really big deep threats in the lineup to, to go yard every at-bat. I think that would be huge for the Atlanta Braves because the one thing you already know – is how deep the starting pitching is. So that's going to carry you. If you put an offense to go with it, I mean, that's why you're seeing the Braves, and they're not normally here in the national media, but, you know, they're usually picking the Mets, the Dodgers in the uh, in National League. But you're seeing a lot more guys in the national media pick the Atlanta Braves, and I think that they, they, they see the same potential. It's just like if, you, if this offense clicks behind this pitching staff, watch out. The funny thing is, behind uh, the the numbers with Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario, they're not drastic split numbers that would make you think, okay, well, if if a lefty is pitching, it's going to be a Zuna. If a righty is pitching, it's going to be Rosario. Uh, for example, Azuna against right-handed pitchers has hit 266 in his career, and against lefties. 276. Well, that's 10 points. That's not drastic, you know. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, and Rosario is even closer. He's hit 270 against right-handed pitchers and even a little bit better, 270 in 272 rather against left-handed pitchers. So, it may just be whoever's hot. Whoever's hot is in that lineup and you know what? I don't think there's going to be one problem if it's either one of those guys because they and you're right. I mean, we were Jones and for a Azuna to come back because of how great he had been in 2020, he was an MVP candidate. So if if the shoulder's better, if he's got his mind right, I mean, you know he's a power threat. Um, you know, I think the combination of that, Ozzie Albies being back, and uh, a full year of Michael Harris, and what Grissom can do offensively if he plays every day. He was great. He was. I, I don't think there's any concerns about his bat. I mean, other than the typical sophomore slump that you would worry about for any player. Um, and I, I just I, – man, I, I think he's going to be fine. If Ron Washington thinks he can be a shortstop, he can be a shortstop. I mean, that's a, that's a good enough of stamp of approval for me. So, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, I don't expect him to be as good as Dansby Swanson was defensively. But I think he can be better than – or at least more consistent than Dan, Dansby was offensively. And if that balances out things, then you're in business. You know, if you have him contribute more consistently across the board every month and not go and have these stretches that Dansby would have. I mean, at the end of last April, we were like, what the heck is Dansby doing? He's like, oh, we can't spell Dansby without a K. 
can you? Because he was going to strike out every night. And now Grissom, you know, uh, he's going to strike out a little bit because Russ is right. I mean, we're, we're, we'll see a – at the end of last year, Grissom and Harris both had kind of hit a wall, a little bit of a wall, oh, yeah. you know, because that was a lot of baseball they, they played. And, and, you know, so they got to come back out and play the full year. And But I, I love his offensive ability and his, his stroke that – Remember that side shot when he hit that home run in Boston at Fenway oh, yeah. Park? It was like, that's a perfect right-handed swing, you know. So, um, a lot of good stuff going on for the Bravos right now. And the games haven't even started yet. So, every defensive position is covered except for maybe left field, which is covered. We just don't know who it's going to be. Right. Shortstop, second, first, third. Well, shortstop again between Grissom and Arcia. Short it, uh, second's good with Ozzy back. And, so, if Ozzy goes out again, let's just – Worst case, who? Arcia. Arcia. Or, or, Grissom. or Grissom. Or Grissom, either one. Or either one, yeah. Raleigh okay. at third. Acuna. Look, if Acuna has our MVP season, that offense is going to average five-plus runs a game. And with this pitching staff, if they average five runs per game offensively, they're going to win a lot of games. I mean, they won 101 last year. That's a lot. <laughs> and and they only had Harris for half a year, Grissom for a third of the year, uh, a fourth of the year, Albies for a fourth of the year. I mean, they – and so it's 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 a pretty good roster. It looks good. All right, come to the Taco Shed here on Highway 247. We will take a break, come back, and we will talk a little Georgia Tech athletics with Rod McKenzie from gojackets.com. That and more as we continue right after this. Welcome back to our broadcast here on this Tuesday. We appreciate you being with us. Ron McKenzie is with us from geojackets.com. Talk a little Georgia Tech athletics and let's talk baseball. First, Rod, the 3-0 Jackets swept Miami of Ohio over the weekend. Outscored them 36-24. to Russ and I kind of laughed a little bit yesterday because uh, – uh, we had a lot of high-scoring games with Tech last year. Is the pitching going to get better? Or are they going to be averaging, giving up eight runs a game here and have to outslug everybody? Yeah, I think the opening weekend or the opening weekends, they experiment a little with the pitching. Uh, their their two best starters pitched Saturday and Sunday. Uh, they both went five innings. Jackson Finley uh, Sunday went five as an ERA at one point eight zero. Logan McGuire went on Saturday, has an ERA of 3.60. And then they experimented with uh, Dawson Brown. You know, they wanted to see if he could pitch extended innings. And uh, he, you know, that was Friday night when the temperatures were dropping into the low 40s, upper 30s, and the wind was blowing like crazy. Hard to, you know, really for all the pitchers to grip the ball. So they gave up a lot of runs for sure on Friday. Uh, walks, I think they walked 11 batters that day. But the next two days, they only walked a total of two batters. So uh, they turned that around. And, mm. uh, you know, they 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 had uh, Josiah Siegel come in uh, to replace Jackson Finley on Sunday in the, in the sixth inning. Uh, normally he goes one or two innings. They wanted to see if he could finish the game and, and go four innings. He was sailing along pretty good till he got to that last inning, gave up five runs. Uh, it was obvious that, you know, he was tiring 
uh, in that in that ninth inning. So, uh, as a matter of fact, they didn't even have anyone up in the bullpen. And uh, when they finally got somebody ready, you know, he came in and, and got the double play ball, and uh, it was hit to uh, Carson Sabathia to uh, to end the game. Well, Georgia Tech has Georgia Southern uh, tonight, and then they will play Georgia next week in that uh, all-important series against the Bulldogs. Uh, both Georgia Southern and Georgia off to two and one starts after their first weekend of play, and uh, I, I love the competition, and I, I, I love the way they've done the Georgia Georgia Tech series now. Don't you? As far as just yeah. the scheduling, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do too, and. Uh... You know, I, I like going over there to Gwinnett County and, and watching a game there. That's something you don't normally get a chance to do because of, of uh, my schedule, first of all. You know, you don't get over to, to, to see what's going on over there. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a good way of doing it and, uh, you know, playing all three games. And uh, it, you get to see the best pitchers, you know, normally – in the past, you got to see the uh, midweek starter right. and then the bullpen, you know. So uh, this is a much better way of doing it. Absolutely. No doubt about it. All right, Rod, let's talk a little basketball. The, the Yellow Jackets basketball team, they've won two in a row, three of their last four. They will play at Pittsburgh tonight, which is going to be a tough game, of course. It's a 7 o'clock game against the Panthers, who were 19-8 and on the year, 12-4 and in the conference. So that's a whole other story about tonight's game. But at least – uh, they they got out of that losing streak and have won three or four, and they've got to feel a little bit better about that, don't they? Yeah, I, I think the, the one thing that sticks out to me is that that they've gone almost exclusively now with Siobhan Franklin in the center position. Yeah, he's only six foot seven, but he's very athletic. He can get up and block shots. He runs the court well. We've seen him, you know, uh, lead. Uh, transition baskets getting dunks you know quite a, a bit lately now that he's the, the regular in the lineup so I I think a combination of, of him being the starter now and uh, Lance Terry coming back from that four games when he was out with a, a hamstring I think the, the two of them and and uh, you know ironically both of them are transfers have, have really propelled the Jackets to playing better over the last you know five or six games of the year. So what's the temperature of the fan base as far as Josh Pastor is concerned right now? You know, you, you have you have a group that's that's been after Josh since the beginning of the year, and they're not going to change their mind no matter what they do. And then you have another group yeah. that maybe was in that camp in the beginning, and they're gradually sliding away from that. But I, I think that, to me, that... The most important thing is you have to have confidence in your new AD to make the right decision on whether to keep Josh for another year or move on. And, and I think we've talked about this before. You also have to decide whether or not that you're going to support the basketball team. And, and by support, I mean showing up for games, putting money into the program. Uh, that includes the NIL. Uh, that type of thing, and that hasn't been done. So uh, making a change just to make a change isn't going to change the fortunes of Georgia Tech basketball unless they go about it in the right way. Well, and they have four games left the regular season, three on the road, and the other, the only home game is against Louisville, who is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, they are trying to 
be worse than what Georgia was a year ago. Um, so you, you wonder, okay, a couple wins in these last four, could that save him? Yeah, I, I think it, it could. And, you know, uh, the, the uh, powers to be, the athletic director, the associate athletic director, they are on top of things. I mean, I see them at all the games. I see them at the press conferences. Uh, so they're definitely watching this uh, situation closely. So you have to feel when they do make a decision, they're going to make the right decision uh, just based on the fact that they're they're putting in their work and evaluating what's going on with the program and how the team is playing. You know, uh, you have to say, well, you know, they they haven't maybe recruited as well as they, they could have if they had the support. Uh, but, you know, the, the players that they have, have have continued to play hard, even in spite of that losing uh, a tough January. Uh, and they, they play a full 40 minutes, and, and it can be entertaining at times. And, and uh, we've seen that uh, lately in those, those last uh five or six games well and it was interesting that you said that about you know needing to know what this fan base wants and real quick we got about 45 seconds left do you think that passion that has been there for georgia tech basketball in the past is still there or has the lack of a better term rod mediocrity that has been in place for a while now kind of tempered that well i I look at the last game and they they were coming off you know a couple of winning games and uh, I think 4,900 was the was the attendance uh, figure for that game. So it has mm-hmm. to be, you know, two or three thousand higher than that in in my estimation to to get where they need to be. So uh, you know, something has to be done to get to get that fan base back. And uh, you know, uh, the fans want to change, but you know, if they make a change, they have to show up for games, and that that didn't happen. Uh, necessarily with football when they they made Brent Key the interim coach. So, you know, uh, fan bases at all schools are part of the the uh, solution a lot of times because if you put fans in seats, that, that helps you economically and, and it, it helps support the team and helps them play harder. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Rod McKenzie's been our guest, geojackets.com. Rod Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks. We're at the Taco Shed here in Warner Robins, and you're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.